0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM.
1: Hey, folks, welcome back. You're in the workplace. I'm Peter Capelli. Uh, I'm Dan O'Mara. And that is Clean Your Office Music. Yes. Uh, So it's time to talk about cleaning stuff up, and with us to talk about this is Libby Sander, who's a professor of organization behavior at Bond Business School, and she's in Australia. Libby, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, What time is it there?
0: It is eight thirty in the morning
1: on Friday here. Oh, good. So we nice. didn't. You didn't have to get up at a completely ridiculous hour to uh, to do this. That's good. No, I didn't. <laughs> Terrific. We feel much better about that. So let me let me ask you the obvious question here. Libby's been writing about this issue of getting. Uh, your desk in particular cleaned up and your workplace cleaned up what made you do this uh, focus on this Is it, was this because of anybody in particular that It was a model for you of somebody who needed help here what what drove you to write about this
0: yeah look I did work with a guy once who got issued a ticket by um, workplace health and safety in our organization because he had this teetering pile of books on either side of you know, his death. No kidding. When your way through, um, this is way before the Murray kind of days. And and my yeah. research looked at how the physical work environment affects our brains and our thinking mm-hmm. and our behavior. So mm-hmm. it's something that, yeah, I'm definitely interested and passionate about.
1: So let's talk a little bit about clutter, which is the opposite of what you're trying to get us to do here. And why do we have so much clutter? And maybe part of that are there particular types of people who have a lot of clutter, like me, for example. What's the uh, what do we know about why people are cluttered?
0: Look, there's multiple reasons, and it's quite interesting if you look at the research. Because on the one hand, um, things in your job might make you end up being really cluttered, and oh, yeah. for other people, the clutter can cause the problem itself. Mm-hmm. Some people are actually hoarders, so they can. It's a classifiable. Um, Condition where people just feel that they need to continuously keep buying things or hanging on to things, uh-huh. they never let them go.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and so that can be quite serious. They're the people you might see on shows on TV where you open the garage and, and kind of a mountain of stuff falls on yeah. your head. Yeah. Um, but in the workplace, it's very much that people feel either, you know, in some cases, oh, look, I just need to keep this. Um, I've got too many things I'm being asked to do. I can't get to everything. So I'm just going to kind of keep everything on my desk. Mm. um, One Mm -hmm. day I might need it or one Mm -hmm. day I might finish it.
1: Yeah. So do you think there's a difference between uh, people who are cluttered at work and people who are just cluttered all the time? You know, one thing I'm thinking, Dan, is one of the big developments in suburban life in the U.S. in my lifetime is the number of people who no longer keep their cars in their garages. And the reason is because their garages are full of stuff. Uh, it's just amazing. They, why do we need three car garages? Very few people have three cars because one bay is just full of stuff. Is this a general problem, Libby, or is this is it workplace specific? You think?
0: No, Peter. I think you're quite right. Um, it's quite general, and, and often you'll hear people at work say, "Really? What? I wonder what this person's house looks like. Look how they leave the kitchen. You know, <laughs> I mm. wonder does mm-hmm. your kitchen look like this?" So I, I think it is. You know, we—I don't know for sure. I don't usually um, go and ask if I can see people's homes as well. But <laughs> the research on people's clutter in their home suggests for sure um, that this is a huge problem for people outside of the workplace as well, and it, yeah. it, it makes us more stressed.
1: So let me take you into epistemology here. Uh, is there a difference between being a slob and clutter?
0: Hmm, that's a really good question. I don't know. I think. Some people would say, look, oh, I just have piles of books and papers and lots of clothes I haven't worn yet, so I'm just a clutterer. But if you kind of have food wrappers all over your lounge room floor and mm-hmm. overflowing rubbish bins, then maybe that's the slob definition. <laughs> mm, yeah. Uh,
1: I guess it, it, a simple test would be, I think, about food. <laughs> if you go to somebody's desk and there's still food there, yeah. that sounds like slob
2: to uh, me. Uh, s- Slob to me connotes... Uh, either personal appearance or personal hygiene, a lot of other things, very different from clutter.
1: Yeah, different from clutter. I think that's right. probably right. So we well, solved that little problem. That's well, good.
2: Libby, I have to agree with your general thesis, uh, at least as applied to the American law practice. Uh, although there's some lawyers who have very messy offices and they say, but I know where every Everything paper is. is. That's so that, true for that's, me. That's mm-hmm. rather the exception in the law practice is a general trend subject to exceptions. Lawyers with sloppy offices... Uh, are less organized, less mm. able to put their fingers on a paper that they need mm-hmm. uh, they 're less organized electronically within their computer or computer systems, and those with uh, more cleaned up offices are more organized generally and it 's just uh, they 're not comfortable they 're not relaxed unless things are nice, neat, and organized
1: so let me ask you, Dan, about this so the rise of computers. Mm-hmm. In offices in law means you don't need nearly as much paper. Correct. Are offices neater now? Somewhat.
2: Yeah. Somewhat. Yeah.
1: Okay. But right.
2: people who were sloppy with papers all over their office before they couldn't, they're sloppy online now. Oh, they, really? they, no they, they don't huh. develop huh. Uh, ways of organizing the different documents okay. that, that makes sense and that they can remember where things are.
1: Okay. So let let's get to the heart of your research here. What does it do to, to you or someone if they have to work in a sloppy environment, even if it's one they created themselves?
0: Yeah, it affects us in lots of different ways. So, you know, starting with our brains. Our brains kind of prefer order. So if we've got this constant clutter that's a it's a kind of visual reminder of the fact, you know, I stand with saying oh. we're disorganized. Mm. Um and it drains our cognitive resources. So mm. it um makes us worse at processing information, it affects our productivity. Um, from a health perspective, um, some studies have shown it increases our Stress hormones, um, cortisol. Really? No kidding. Uh, hmm. Yeah, and hmm. even affects our sleep after we go home. So it doesn't necessarily stop. Um, hmm. You know, once you get out of the clutter.
1: So it's harder. To, people ha- often have sleep problems because their even their workspace is is messy. That's enough to create sleep problems in some people.
0: So I think quite complicated if you are in a constantly stressful environment it triggers our Mm -hmm. fight-or-flight kind of response and so over time that leads to you know lots of different um, you know negative health outcomes And there's been some research that showed that people who are in that state obviously they don't sleep as well and people who in fact have very cluttered homes and bedrooms, Mm -hmm. they sleep more poorly than people who Mm -hmm. have tidy, clean Mm -hmm. homes.
1: Yeah. How much of this do you think is about stress? So here's the issue, I Uh think, right? If you are really cluttered, and as Dan says, uh, it's harder to find things, um, Uh and you get frustrated by the lack of order and things, and uh, that's causing your problems, or do you think it's something even beyond that, beyond the stress?
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, it, it kind of goes, in both directions. So for, if people at work have you know, too many jobs to do, if they um, find it difficult to make decisions themselves or they're waiting on other people to make decisions, um, if they're feeling overwhelmed, then what happens is they can end up being cluttered because they're starting to procrastinate, they're mm. kind of not being very effective in their job. Yep. So it's You know, we kind of need to make sure that we're cleaning our environment as well, but also managers need to be aware that, look, if that person's desk is really cluttered, it could be, as Dan was saying, that they're a messy person, but it could also be that they're, you know, quite stressed and not coping with their work.
1: Yeah. So how does this get started? So all of us start out with a clean desk, right? You're new to the job. (laughs) They don't give you a messy desk when you check in. You got a clean one. Um, how does it get messy? What are the sort of little micro decisions that cause the mess to happen?
0: Well, I think people are really conscious nowadays um, from a governance perspective, thinking, I need to keep this, so I, or I just might need it later. Oh, so, yeah. you, know, you mm-hmm. get to the end of the week, and mm-hmm. then you think we've got less filing and storage space in modern yeah. offices, particularly in yeah. yeah. open cloud. Yeah. So we kind of think, I just better hang on to this. I might need it one day. And then, you know, if you haven't looked at something for six months or 12 months, unless it's something you legally do really need to file, then yeah. you probably shouldn't be on your desk or in the immediate office. Right. Maybe right. should be in right.
1: Well, I think so in defense of clutter, uh, I'm, uh, <laughs> or at least I think in defense of the difficulty in non-clutter, Uh, is that it takes a lot of energy uh, to deal with some of those things. So as you say, for example, keeping receipts, right? So, Mm -hmm. um, okay, so you've got to keep your receipts. You feel you should for a while. Let's say it's not crazy. It's not hoarding. You really do Mm -hmm. feel you have to keep them around for a while. Where are you going to put them? Um, Mm -hmm. I suppose you could create a file for that. But on the other hand, you also kind of know you don't have to keep them for very long. So here's an example Mm -hmm. of something that, that we've got here. Uh, we're supposed to keep student papers for, I think, a semester or so, right? I think at least a Hi. semester. Mm-hmm. So they turn them in this semester. We're supposed to keep them for until the – well, I guess probably until the end of next semester, which would be a long time. Um, where do we put them? Mm. Well, I, should we create a dedicated space for those things this you know it's actually a pretty complicated when you think of all the things you might have to keep for a little period of time um and it takes a lot of mental energy to to do this how much of this is procrastination that's generating the problem so i should say th- okay i understand i should find a place to put these papers cuz they're going to be here for a while and i'm not going to see them so get them out of my sight and um but that takes a lot of work so i don't bother i leave them on my desk how much of it is just procrastination and then you do it a few times and suddenly your desk is messy
0: absolutely because you know there's very few people you talk to who would say oh you know i don't really have much to do at work i'm really not that busy so yeah i mean you go to think i'll file these papers somewhere helpful and then a student comes in or you know someone comes into your room for a meeting and then yeah it doesn't get done so absolutely it's how busy we are every day and Little things build up.
1: So let's uh, talk about how we're going to fix this problem. Remind people we're talking to Libby Sander, who's on the line with us from Australia. She's a professor there. This is an article she wrote for the Harvard Business Review, The Case for Finally Cleaning Your Desk. How do we get started on this?
0: So as you said, ideally, we don't let it build up. But I think most people would just laugh and say, well, that doesn't happen. So the first thing to do is, uh, you know, really take a hard look at what is on your desk do you really need to keep it and in any filing cabinets or shelves or cupboards around your office okay are you keeping it just in case um and maybe there's a whole lot of stuff you can shred or throw away
1: okay can i stop you for just a second before even before you get into the tactics so have you got a triage view of this that um we're not going to try to take somebody and make make them start out being neat we're going to deal with the mess on their desk every once in a while is, that, uh, is yeah. that your view? Every once in a while, we need to have a fire, <laughs> right, Yeah, and just yeah. deal with this. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. That's a, that's a choice. Okay. So carry on. I got my messy desk, and you're trying to help us figure out what to shred or where we go first? Yeah,
0: I think, well, you would, as you were just saying, you could use these regular fire cleaning day as a pizza event to get people to communicate more and yeah. maybe share information. So, you know, that could be one idea that managers could put in place. Um, so work out what you can throw away first um, okay. or shred, and then uh, probably the things that you're hanging on to that shouldn't be on your desk but could in fact be archived or... Stored in a filing cabinet or somewhere that's not on your desk.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Okay. You so, really
0: should just have. Sorry.
1: You're going to go through every pile on your desk and do this. Mm uh-huh. hmm. Okay. Uh-huh. Right. And how often? As soon as the pile gets big, I think is probably the punchline here, right?
0: Well, people who apparently um, are consultants that are doing this kind of thing say that you really should just have the things on your desk that you're working on at the time. So, in Dan's example with the lawyers, yeah, you know, he probably sees lawyers with ten different client files on the desk, and that's a bad practice because you're probably going to lose something or misfile something. So really, just keeping the things that you're working on on the desk um, is
2: mm-hmm.
1: a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Which means you got to put them away afterwards. Like pick up right. your toys, kids, yeah. and put them away. That's the right. That's the hard part, right? Hmm. Okay, so you're going to do that every once in a while. As a manager, you're giving advice to intervene in an organization in your office if you start to see these messy things, and make it a kind of policy that we got to clean up our desk. Do you get pushback from people for managers to do that and say, "Hey, you know, this is just the way I work"?
0: Absolutely, because there has been a study that showed that messy desks are better for creativity.
1: Really? So you've got a creative? Yay! I'm yeah. going with that one. <laughs> okay.
0: But then I'm sure Dan would say, well, actually, maybe most of our lawyers don't need to be that creative. We don't want okay. them, um being overly creative. But, okay. yeah, so um, it showed that if you have a really clean and ordered desk, you're more likely to follow procedure and policy and kind of a linear way of thinking. Okay. But – if you need to think outside the box and, um, you know, not necessarily follow the rules and the things that we know are helpful for creative thinking, then actually a messy desk is better because it's okay. already saying to you, hey, things are out of order here. It's kind of a bit chaotic. So your brain might follow suit.
1: Okay. That's interesting. Uh, and let me ask you the big question, which is the Maria Kondo question. And uh, I can't say I watch this. Um, is it? On, I'm sure it's in Australia too on Netflix or something. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Uh, and what's your response? Well, maybe you could tell listeners a little bit about her view on these issues about clutter and stuff, and then I'll get your thoughts on it. So what's what for those of you us who have not seen the show, what's it about?
0: Yeah, so Marie Kondo is a, a Japanese lady whose whole job in her life, her career has been helping people tidy their homes and get rid of clutter. And okay. her view is that you can transform your entire life by cleaning up your house. Mm-hmm. So she does the same thing that we were talking about with the desk, um, yep. working out what you can throw away. Um, and what, but her focus is, you know, you should only keep things that bring us joy, mm. which mm-hmm. for many of your listeners might be like, well, actually, I'm not sure that anything at my workplace brings me joy. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: or, or my washing machine, you know, what is that, is that yeah. gone? <laughs> and what do I do? <laughs> okay. Yeah. The dogs looking yeah. nervous, you know? <laughs>
0: Exactly. Um, So people, yeah, but she's very much sort of this, you know, just have a minimal number of things that you really love in your life. And if you've got a closet full of 20 white shirts, well, Mm. you really need 20 white shirts.
1: Yeah. And uh, the idea there is uh, that uh, it's sort of similar to some of the points that you're making, right? That she's just making much more extravagant claims for how this will affect your whole Mm -hmm. life, as opposed to your work, I suppose, right?
0: Absolutely, she says. People end up getting new jobs and new relationships, and I'm sure, yeah, the employer doesn't want you to get a new job as a result of right, a new day.
1: right. <laughs> what's the uh, what's the response uh, in Australia to to this? Is uh, is there a kind of messy um, brigade, um, people who revolt against the idea that uh, <laughs> we ought to try to clean everything up? I imagine some point in some place in the U.S. are probably a little like this. What's what's the response you get there?
0: Yeah, for sure. You get both views Um, saying, don't tell me how to work. I know what I'm doing. I can find every piece of paper. But we have increasingly um, a lot of hot desking environments here and desk policy. Mm -hmm. So they just throw everything in the bin at the end of the day if you leave it on your desk. That's what they tell you. Uh,
1: Okay. um, So they're punishing you basically, right? You're not going to find anything unless you sort it out, right?
0: Exactly. They just give you a locker to put in at the end of the day, and you yeah. can't fit too much in the locker.
1: Yeah, yeah. So is there some evidence that other people's messy desks affect you?
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. I haven't seen that specifically, but for sure, if you're one of those people who are very neat and tidy and you've got your gnome collection lined up perfectly on your desk and, you know, uh, someone next to you is food wrappers everywhere and piles of junk, I'm sure that's going to be... Um, annoying for that person, and maybe vice versa, the overly neat person is going to annoy the messy person.
1: Yeah. When uh, you walk into somebody else's office on campus, do they get nervous? They find you looking (laughs) at their desk?
0: Articles come out. Yes, they have actually. So they're like <laughs> they start justifying straight away why this yeah. is yeah. the way it
2: is. Right there, I you
1: can go. see that. There you go. Fewer parties for you. Yeah, Libby. Thanks very much <laughs> for joining us. And you can go back uh, have your cup of coffee and get, catch another half hour's or, so or sleep here. Libby Sander is professor of organization behavior at the Bond Business School, and her article is about cleaning up your desk. The case for finally cleaning your desk. Well, Dan, uh, we've come to another happy uh, end of two hours here. I would say. The big issue we talked about today was bullying. I'd say, yes, that was the uh, uh, the
2: surprise are hit. You, are you bullying me into agreeing with you? Uh,
1: I'd have no. to do it over and over and yeah. over in ridicule. No. It was a uh, I surprise think. hit. Uh, I think. Uh, I think the reason it's a surprise hit is because it touches a nerve for lots of people. But I think it also makes people uncomfortable about – bosses uncomfortable and thinking, well, okay, well, what's the standard here? What should I be doing, right? Um, And I think it it is quirky, of course, if we allow individuals to decide what constitutes bullying for them. Then, of course, that becomes tricky. You don't know quite how to behave. Um, It seems like a sensible concept, right?
2: And uh, I'd be a little worried – that it would require an extra overlay of documentation time for American managers. But you know what? I'm not sure you document things a how can whole lot you document, differently.
1: Yeah, how can you document not being something,
2: right? Well, you can document why you did something. Oh, someone yeah. screws this sure, up. Sure. You're not sure. really worried about a legal claim by them. Yeah, but you know what? You you tell them, okay, here's what you did. Right. Here's what right. you should have done. Right, not a close call. Right, you you got to do better than that. Right, right. So you document that. Yeah,
1: and it can't be making people feel bad. That can't be the standard. Yeah.
2: Hopefully, making them do their jobs. If they feel bad, that's an unfortunate side effect. But bullying as defined in these European laws would not be – That would not be bullying. It would
1: not be bullying anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's an important thing to remember. Okay,
2: folks, we're going to not
1: bully, but we're going to get out of here now and we will see you again next week.
0: For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google
2: Play.